Hello, hello. What is up? We are back. Episode three of The Link. We got a good one this week. I've been a Marvel fan forever. I'm a comic book nerd. I love all the movies. I love TV shows. This week we're doing WandaVision. Finale happened. Big stuff. If you haven't seen it yet, heavy spoilers. Steer clear. Go watch it. Then come back and listen to us. I don't want to take too long on the intro because I really have a lot to talk about. I want to get into it, and I think everyone's excited about it. Quick housekeeping. We are on social media now. Twitter and Instagram at the link underscore podcast. Follow us, share us, like our tweets, do all that kind of good stuff. We're going to have some fun with it as we move forward along. We have email. The email is email the link podcast at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts or uh, we're going to do guests moving forward, if you have any interest in that or have some good ideas or any feedback or just want to say hi, uh, feel free to email us there. I want to dive right in. We're going to start with just kind of the plot and final episode reactions from the finale and notes and all that kind of good stuff. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. All right, let's jump right into the finale. I can't wait anymore. The way I like to do this is to go chronologically through the episode or the movie or what have you. That's kind of been the format. That way it kind of feels like we're watching it together again uh, and we can kind of build on itself. That might change moving forward, but for now, we'll jump in from the top. I love how they just picked us right up where they left off. Uh, and that's a little bit of movie magic. And like, th there's no cut. There doesn't have to be. And uh, this whole show kind of felt more like a movie than a show. But we'll talk about more about that in a little while in the next section. Part of me wishes they just had Agatha die by getting hit by the car in the beginning. It would have been so hilarious. Like, build up this whole big bed and then boom, gone. Almost like Thanos just getting his head cut off by Thor in the beginning of Endgame. It would it would have been kind of funny, but totally ridiculous. I like the witch's boots under the car. It was a nice Wizard of Oz nod. That was a little cool thing. But right out of the gate, I'm laying in bed watching this, and I don't know what to do with my hands. Vision versus vision right away. I'm up. I'm standing. Uh, it, it was so hype. I was into it. It was like tag team championships on the line, man. Vision and Wanda against the Vision and Agatha. And it was great. They dumped us right in. No waiting. We got the fight scene we wanted. Everyone knew it was coming, so they didn't make us wait for it. It wasn't this big reveal. And it was just great. And then <laughs> they cut to Pietro calmly playing the guitar during all of it and just chilling out, which was such a cool juxtaposition. And uh, I, I really liked... Evan Peters in this. He was perfect as this comic relief tension breaker when there was a lot of heavy scenes around him. I wonder if they're completely done with him and he really was just a nod to the fans being Quicksilver from the Fox series or if there's still some interdimensionary stuff to be explained in Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness, which comes out later this year, not too far away. I, I hope it's the latter. And I hope this was just a taste of who he is or what he is, because it would be a shame to kill such a potentially good story like that. Uh, but they do have enough stories. We'll see what happens. Either way, it was cool to see him mixed in with the right side of the Marvel stories. He deserved to be there. He was the better Quicksilver, everyone knows. And 
it was just fun. If, if, even if it's fan service and nothing else, there's nothing bad about it. While I'm watching this, I'm going, I wish I had Michael Pena's quick recap review of all this kind of stuff. And I hope we get it in the next Ant-Man movie. And he just goes back through everything that happened. It would be so funny. That's like maybe the funniest scenes in Marvel so far are him doing that. So I, I hope we get that. Woo is mighty handy with a paper clip, just breaking himself right out of handcuffs. No big deal. And I think I know why. It had to be all those years working with office supplies at Dunder Mifflin. And he just got really good with paper clips. Has to be. I can't think of another reason. This whole story is so good because it bounces back and forth between so many things. There's action, there's, you know, lore, there's a lot of it, but at the heart of it, it's like a story. It's a story about grief and, and Wanda going through this horrible time. And it's really we got some of it in Endgame with uh, Cap running that group of people. It was almost like a therapy group for people post snap and trying to deal with this world. And that was like a, an intro to what it really meant to survive that whole thing and see others not survive. And we got way more of it in this. Wanda became this unknowing villain because of what was happening there. And I love that because she was she we've seen her as a hero. Now we've seen her as a faux villain. And then we got Agatha playing the real villain, almost cut from this mold of like older animated Disney villains like Cruella DeVille and Ursula and stuff like that. Just cackling and evil and all the way out for themselves. And she had a little bit of like Baron Zemo in her too, trying to break Wanda down psychologically rather than just the fight being a physical fight, even though we got that too. She wanted to break her from the inside rather than brute force magic, whatever. The MCU has been awesome at that since Winter Soldier with Zemo doing that to Cap and Tony. And Ultron really had a little bit of that in him too. And uh, I'm just, I'm excited to see him back in Falcon and Winter Soldier, which not far away. Uh, March 19th that comes out. So we are we have a pipeline going. There's going to be like no shortage of Marvel stuff ever, which I am hyped for. I'm sure there'll be a lot more episodes on it. I do quick nitpick thing. It's so small. Most people probably don't care. But I do wish there was a little more of a big theme and score and some kind of music hit when the four of them stood together in the middle of the town. And we're showing down with sword but i'll get more on that later because uh i have some more thoughts but let's continue with the plot paul bettany i mean first of all the acting all around it, i don't want to say that it doesn't belong in a superhero movie or show because that is kind of degrading what the mcu has built here this isn't christopher reeve fake flying through the air with his arms straight out anymore. And that was cool too at the time, but this is this is real acting and real writing and it's not that that wasn't real, but this is so on par with high level stuff that no more should people look at this like eh, comic book superhero movie, I don't care. It, it's not Hancock. It's not just there for the theatrics of it all. Elizabeth Olsen played 10 different characters in this show. I mean, she was able to nail each 
individual theme of the episodes going through the times of the old sitcoms. And we'll talk more about that later too. But she was able to tap into not only that on the surface level, but the grief that was creating this whole entire situation and the whole show and the whole aftermath of the Thanos situation. And I couldn't, I mean, I was so impressed. Probably the best acting I've seen in the MCU so far from her. Definitely from her, but from anyone, really. She was really good. And then Paul Bettany, I'm so happy he's getting this. I mean, he started just as a voice in Iron Man and probably never thought he would even see the screen or continue his job. And now he's fighting himself on screen, playing himself, got to play himself without the costume on, which is cool. And then he does this menacing voice for White Vision which is slightly different, but really made a difference when they were showing down with each other. It felt like two different characters, and it was. And then, you know, he's playing aloof for, like, a lot of the show with the magic stuff, and he's, like, half drunk because of the gum, and that was funny. But then he can turn it on and be this force because he does have the power for it. It was just nice to see the range and him be able to let loose and kind of do both things. I really like that. Somehow... In the midst of all this chaos and battle and the culmination of this five-hour run, which call it a show, call it a five-hour movie if you want, whatever it is, there's a lot going on. And still, in the finale, we get this moment of new heroes learning to use their powers when Billy and Tommy and Monica are facing down with sword and there's guns everywhere and they've never been in this situation before. They don't even know what they can do really. And they figure it out on the fly and then they're complimenting each other like that was cool. And it's just like such a human moment of getting powers and learning to use them for the first time. Those are some of the moments that make the MCU what it is like Tony learning to fly for the first time in the garage and crashing into stuff and crashing his car and going through the roof and getting blown by the fire extinguisher. That was some of the coolest stuff. And there's a lot of them throughout the years. And Marvel just never loses sight of it, even in the biggest spots. This is the finale of their first Disney Plus show. It's very heavy. There's a lot going on, but they don't miss it. They find a way to slip that in. And it's one of the reasons that they thrive and stay consistent 20 years later while still doing countless movies and shows and they figured it out i took notes last week on what i thought i would be talking about just to see how wrong i was and i couldn't help but write down that i wanted to see a dragon ball z fusion dance between the two visions a little fusion ha and we kind of did get that they did become one thing uh, but in a more creative way by just sharing the memories or however that all worked and now it does feel like white vision is the true vision. Um, I like the ship of thesis stuff because it felt true to who vision is this very dry intellectual explanation of such a complex situation for them, but they nailed it. And then white vision changes his voice to match the original one when they do the memory transfer. And it's this good, subtle thing and it's acting and directing and all that. It's them signaling the fan base, hey, we might not finish this whole story right now, but we do know what we're doing, and we're far from done with this White Vision character. He's becoming more of what you already know, so just trust us 
and continue watching all of our stuff and it'll all make sense in the end. But that's how it felt to me, like a nod to the fans, like this is going to be okay. They are the same guy now. Vision is not gone, even if we don't finish it right this minute. We also got a crappy scene. Well, it wasn't crappy, but it was weird in that I didn't feel like it fit or it felt like there was so much lore when she went back with the witches. It felt like we kind of glossed over that Um, and it wasn't fleshed out quite enough. Agatha's backstory, I guess it was fine. It, but what I did like about it was that it was kind of like a horror movie there for a minute. And that's also what I didn't like about it. It kind of didn't fit here. But when I think back about it, it might have been more of like a trailer for Doctor Strange 2, which they're saying is going to be more of a horror movie. And that's what the reports are anyway. So I couldn't help but feel like it fit for her story developing and wearing the energy crown or whatever you want to call it. That was fine. But... It did feel more like, hey, we know we need to link this to Doctor Strange 2, so let's throw in a scene that's going to feel more like that. And then maybe when you go back and watch WandaVision after Doctor Strange 2, I'll feel differently about this scene. It did feel a little weird um, and exposition-y where it was just like, well, we need a way for Wanda to kind of just power up here. Um, But I do like that it's going to have that future tie-in, I think. So if I'm right about that, it'll look better after the fact, which I appreciate. The classic Scarlet Witch headpiece, for me, it was a little campy when it was the energized version in that scene. Maybe that's why I'm kind of hating on that scene a little bit. Uh, But even then, they made it look pretty good and modern. It's impressive because it's such an old school design and look. I was kind of worried that they were going to try to shoehorn the costume in. But then when they did it in the Halloween episode, I was kind of like, oh, they know how silly this looks. So I started to trust it a little more. And just wait to see what they were going to do with it. And then when they showed the entire new outfit and it's so modern and it's almost armored up and it kind of fits with the other Avengers, it's way more than the old witch witch costumes like Agatha had on, which to me was supposed to look old and Salem-y. But we don't want Scarlet Witch to look like that when she's fighting against new heroes in the future and stuff like that. So the darker color palette made a huge difference to me visually. The headpiece just fits. Her hair was a little different. Everything just changed and became a little darker. And it was way less campy. It looked nothing like the Halloween episode silliness. It felt fine. It felt like, yeah, she could go to battle in this in 2021 and it looks good so fantastic costume design they never seem to miss on that nothing dated or out of place about it and i expect them to build on that moving forward speaking of agatha i can't even believe i haven't mentioned Catherine han yet i mean where do i begin her her laugh is so good i can't think of another cackling menacing witch laugh that's better than that it's like she's been saving that in her back pocket for when she plays a witch eventually in her life and she just crushed it. She again, she has that classic Disney villain feel to her, like she's a cartoon. And it's hard to pull off in such a modern setting and show, but I guess it helped that we went back through the decades and kind of set that tone for some of this feels new, some of this feels old kind of stuff. She just found a way to bridge that gap, playing multiple characters or multiple versions of the same character, being 
evil, but only because she wanted something for herself, not necessarily mean or anything like that. Um, even though she's choking out kids, I understand, but it's it had some feeling that she wanted the power for herself and has been gunning for this for hundreds of years. And it felt it played more selfish than evil, which I think is good. She, Catherine Hahn has been great in other stuff, too. Uh, recently, I watched both on HBO, Miss Fletcher and I Know This Much Is True with Mark Ruffalo, which I think just won a Golden Globe. Uh, and she showed wild range in her ability from those two shows being completely different from one another, but her nailing both of them. And now this, she's on a heater, man. She is great. And it's very unlikely that this is the end of her run in the MCU, I think. This character isn't dead. They made it a point to say and acknowledge that she might be needed in the future. And Wanda knows where she is and, you know, clap it up all around for her giving us this character and them bringing another great actor into the fold like they always do. And for them just saying like, don't worry, the story's over, but she'll probably be back. We'll tap her when we're ready for it. And just leaving us with just enough to stay intrigued about it. I like that. I do wonder how Wanda was able to create the runes I like that they linked it back to the original scene when she was powerless and it got explained, but it was a bit of a plot device, a little deuce X runes kind of stuff. I mean, perhaps that'll get explored in Doctor Strange 2 more, probably will, but uh, it felt a little like, all right, we need Wanda to win now, so here's the runes. Um, hopefully we, we get more on that. It wasn't offensive in watching it or anything, but... It was a plot device for sure. Um, they managed to get really... They, they did this big budget red sky filled battle with multiple people and witches and blasting energy and all this stuff. Kids fighting and then there were guns and there's vision watching and who knows where white vision is. They did this whole big thing and it works and it was good. And then right afterwards, they managed to bring it all the way back down and turn the dial back down and get this really heartfelt, meaningful couple of scenes with the kids and Vision and these bizarre feeling goodbyes to characters that aren't actually real. But then again, what's real to each individual to Wanda and to Vision and to the boys themselves, of course they're real. This is their the only life they've literally ever known. Whether they're fabricated by her or not, in the moment between those characters, it still feels real. And that was, that came through on the screen. It felt like a tear-jerking moment of her saying goodbye to her kids. And whether she just poofed them out of midair or not doesn't really matter. It came through on the screen. There's stakes to the illusions of characters, which just shows how far we've come in this show. The kids didn't even exist in the beginning. And then they come in and then they age up and now we're attached to them and they have powers and we have to say all, goodbye to all of it. And kudos to the actors for just living in these roles for so long, some of them longer than others, and making us feel the length of the roles in that moment. Like, oh, we're really saying goodbye to each other here whether it's true or not moving forward, it felt that way. And it's actually a little heavy. And 
the MCU hasn't been afraid to do that at all, especially after Thanos. And it kind of has to be. If it weren't heavy in any way, it would feel disingenuous to what we just went through in Infinity War and Endgame with the whole Thanos saga. It wasn't that long ago. The hangover has to still be there, and it definitely is. So I was a big fan of how they took it. They gave us the big battle stuff. And they gave us the emotional stuff, and they gave us a lot of lore, and they gave us a lot to chew on moving forward. And slipped in these these meaningful, really nice scenes uh, where you feel for Wanda. And we went back and forth with that. Sometimes she was a villain. Sometimes she was a hero. Sometimes you're like, what is she doing? This isn't okay. And then other times you totally understand because she's going through this horrible thing. And they just took us on a roller coaster. But it did finish in the right spot, I felt. I liked another thing on that note. Monica comes back and says... Given the chance and given the power, I'd bring my mom back. And that, to me, felt like she was playing the audience in that moment, explaining exactly how Marvel was able to make Wanda both the villain and the hero simultaneously, even in the same scenes. Make her sympathetic despite her power, which is hard to do for some of these ultra-powered heroes and characters. And then she has all the, the humanized grief, which you can sympathize with. She was all of it at the same time. And they're basically showing us, to me anyway, that the lines between hero and villain are being blurred more and more as we move along. It's all about perspective. It's all relative. I love stories like that with, with a ton of different perspectives and you being able to see and choose which side you think is right or both. I'm a big fan of that. And they tapped into it a little bit. Now, I have to say... If you are a denier of the finale and it wasn't your favorite episode and you have some negatives to talk about, I do understand that. They did seem to leave a couple of things unfinished, but they did it on purpose, which is a really important distinction. It doesn't all have to end now just because this is the ninth episode of this first show that they're doing on Disney+. Plus. They have a pipeline of content coming. There's so many shows and movies coming. They have 20 years of storyboards. We know this. They're going to figure it all out. They're not going to forget where White Vision went. They know they set it up. Photon and Monica being one and the same. That story's not over. That'll go somewhere. They teased the scrolls being there. It'll go somewhere else. They pointed up maybe Captain Marvel 2. Overall, I can see how it's disappointing where we didn't see where White Vision went and we didn't get closure to some of the stories, Pietro being another one of them. But there's only so much we can ask for. There's only five hours. This, these are half-hour shows for the most part, and they were action-packed. They fit a lot of stuff in here from where we started to where we finished. They do want us to want to come back and watch more stuff, so we have to keep that in mind. Like, was Pietro just a gag, and he is just the actor from the other side of these comic stories, and the audience knows, but it doesn't actually matter in the lore of the show, or will that be fleshed out? That's one where I admittedly, I wish I knew a little more now, because Evan Peters is so awesome, and there's so much potential of going down the road of the multiverse. If you're disappointed in not knowing, I think that's fine. But just trust that they do know what they're doing. And we are probably going to get there more than probably 99%. Everything you want to know will be known, but it doesn't all need to be now. 
if that never happens and they never address the character again, then fair enough. Be mad. And I will, too. But they've never let us down before. And it feels like they're only being more and more meticulous with the planning as they move forward. Now they have Disney Plus. Almost guaranteed success from every series they put out or movie now. There's there's no more. They can take more risks because there's no risk. They know that it's going to succeed. They have a long leash. So, like I said, the storyboards are in good hands. Nothing about the story is over, even if there isn't a WandaVision season two. We got to have patience. They're teasing House of M at the end. You hear the boy's voice. They could bring the boys back. We could end up still getting Mephisto somehow in here because he's involved with bringing them back in the comics after they did die. And that could bring mutants into play. It's just all so big. There's so many places to go and they don't want to rush it. And I'm okay with that. They can't squeeze everything into five hours, their first Disney Plus release. They have to leave us wanting more. They have to give us a good product. That's exactly what they did. It's hard to be upset about it. But I do kind of get it, if that's the reaction of some people. I haven't looked at any reactions yet. I'm literally recording this right after I watched because I didn't want to wait at all. And I want to release it early, too, because I want everyone to be able to talk about it together. Uh, it's the most fun that I have is watching with other people and talking to them about it. So I hope you get some of that from this. But yeah, I thought it was great. I, I gave it a nine out of 10, the whole series. I thought it was awesome. The finale was good. It didn't have every single thing and it shouldn't have had, had every single thing. There's no way to fit it all. There's always more. We would have always wanted more. And that's kind of the whole double-edged sword of this whole Marvel thing is that if you're wanting more, then it's good. So don't complain so much. I don't know if anyone will, but I just foresee the internet being like, well, we didn't get this. We didn't get that. Shut up. Also, they played the Doctor Strange theme while Wanda was studying the book in the cabin at the end. If you go back and listen to it, it played. And so we can kind of treat that as a teaser for the upcoming Multiverse of Madness movie, Doctor Strange 2, which is cool to me. I thought it would have been super hilarious to just have White Vision knock on the door while she's drinking tea. Like, honey, I'm home. And she just has no idea what's going on. Like, oh, yeah, that guy. I forgot that he was a thing. Where's he at? But that re reunion will definitely happen. We got to have patience. It might happen in that movie, the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, it might not. But we're going to get more to this story, and we're going to get it this year in all likelihood. So patience. But, uh, man, enjoy this. It, it was so... They did a lot in nine episodes in just five hours. I mean, that could have been two movies, but I like the way they split it up this way. And I do want to talk more about that. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about the difference between movies and shows in 2021. And is there one? Um, <clears throat> this blurred the lines even more. But I think it probably started, I've always been an HBO fan. I probably referenced it multiple times in the first two episodes. Go listen to those, by the way. They're great. Um, but I think for this era, Game of Thrones kind of kicked it off. And I'm sure there were some before it. But the lines are just not even there anymore. I mean, what is the difference? If you have a huge budget TV show that is playing out like a movie each week, 
is the time of the episodes the only difference between them? Is it even relevant? Um, we take them both in on the same screens a lot of the time, especially in the COVID era. A lot of people are watching from home, so that isn't a real difference anymore. I do hope we get back to theaters, obviously. <clears throat> but for now, that's another wall that's just been broken down. The stories are the same. Sometimes they're connected over multiple mediums like the MCU now. Some are shows, some are movies. I personally was always a bit more attached to shows only because of the built-in week in between each episode. You get to theorize, decompress, talk to people about the hype. It just builds on itself. It, it's a double-edged sword, though, now, especially with this, with so many followers of this show and viewers who are really into it, who I hope are listening to this, and a lot of you are creative people with these crazy fan theories about Quicksilver and Mephisto and Magneto and Doctor Strange and everything else that I'm sure some people will feel disappointed that all of that didn't play out yet. But that's just kind of a product of the internet age that we live in and everyone being able to share all this kind of stuff. So it kind of should be built into the expectation for any show that has a lot of viewers and dedicated viewers. It doesn't make the show worse. And the people who think it does are a little bit silly because it has nothing to do with the production of the show. The show by itself is great. Just because you're applying all these things that you hope happens doesn't mean that they're not going to get there. And it doesn't mean they didn't think about it. And doesn't mean there's not a reason for the way they did it. Everyone has cool fan theories. They blaze through the internet. Just don't be mad if they don't come true. That's all. Um, <clears throat> but I did feel... Like, this had a lot of movie vibes to it. it. It had the thing that I mentioned that I like about shows in that it, it broke it up. I hope that becomes the norm now. The Netflix model of dropping the whole thing is cool for binging, but I do feel like that's passing us by. It's better for these shows to get more time out of it because they get more subscribers over multiple months. And <clears throat> the week in between is, is good. I don't miss it. I, I don't need to watch all nine together. I prefer that everyone gets to talking about it and new people jump on and can catch up. I like all that kind of stuff. But it also has a lot of the elements elements of the movie. It, it has the budget. It has the Disney money, the CGI, all that kind of stuff. All the lore of all the previous movies. But more than that, it has kind of a three-act structure to it. The first act was all the sitcom stuff. Every episode being a different era. Awesome. I loved the Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore stuff in the very beginning. It was very campy, but silly, but great, and still had lore for us to build on moving forward. And then they just edged out of it week by week. And it felt like, sure, they were doing a new era every week. But secretly, what they were doing is getting us used to these characters and slowly building us into the place where it's at its current time. So you kind of got to look through, not a past of theirs, but a faux past kind of with all the sitcoms. And as it moved forward into Bewitched and I Love Lucy kind of territory, you saw them evolve a little bit. And again, credit to the acting. Unbelievable. Elizabeth Olsen nailed every single one of these to a T. And then they just kept moving forward. Uh, some Partridge Family Brady Bunch kind of stuff. By the way, I loved that they had different intros to all of it. I'll touch on that again in a minute. That really aided 
the feeling of each week being a new thing, despite having this consistent three act feel. Um, <clears throat> and then we end up with some modern family office kind of stuff. And then they ditch that whole theme because they're like, okay, we don't have a ton of time. Let's figure out the rest of this story in the last two episodes or so. And you didn't miss it. So a lot of people, I think, went into this saying, that's going to be a little gimmicky WandaVision, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. Different sitcoms. They're playing on that. It's cool. It's funny. That's not all it was. And I think that allowed them probably to exceed a lot of people's expectations in some ways because they were able to do that that mold that they were in and then also break out of it, which I liked. So that was kind of act one of the story. If it were a movie, act one would have been the sitcom stuff. Act two would have been setting up all of S.W.O.R.D. and <clears throat> their motives, which we're not even done with, but we get all of that kind of thing. And then act three is the Agatha and White Vision kind of story culminating all of it and closing it all down and her shutting down the town and all that kind of stuff. So it had structure to it that's built like a movie, but you get it in this episodic format, which allowed them to play even further to to kind of have act one and act two go on together at the same time and act two and three. And I just really really enjoyed the fact that they're able to blur those lines and play with them back and forth so freely. Now, I want to be fair. I loved this whole thing. I gave it a 9 out of 10 overall. But there is one thing I really missed, and I touched on it before, but I want to go into it more now. I really wish there was a strong musical theme here. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. And I really thought about it at the end when the Doctor Strange theme played and you knew exactly what they were trying to do there if you caught it. And if not, go back and listen to it. Firstly, I just think music is a wildly important aspect that's overlooked in a lot of media, TVs, movies, etc., which you've already heard me rant about in the first two episodes. <clears throat> and I'll continue to. Alan Silvestri and his composition of the Avengers theme, and he did a bunch of others throughout the run, have had a huge impact on making those big meet-up battle scenes what they are. Um, even if it's not composed, Immigrant Song by Zeppelin in Thor Ragnarok and in Infinity War, you can't replace those moments of him landing on the battlefield to the song, hitting at the right moment. It's what makes it perfect. It's what makes it so memorable to me anyway. And I think a lot of other people, whether you register it or not, I understand that this show had a lot to think about. There were varying eras through the first bunch of episodes. There was no consistent intro to put a theme into new opening credits, all that kind of stuff. Almost every week was different. So it's tough to stick one theme in there like the Avengers is able to do and bring it back constantly, but it still felt missing, especially I said it before when Wanda vision, Billy and Tommy are squaring off and they're like, kids, I'm sorry, but uh, you're going to have to fight here. Like, I don't know what to tell you. We're, we're in this now. That was the time for the big score to hit for the big theme whether it was new or referenced earlier in the series, it, it needed to be there. I wish it was there so much. If we got one of them to compose something that could continue forward in the series, when uh, imagine when Wanda and Vision reunite, they play the theme, but now we're not going to get that. And I'm being picky, but it's important to me. And uh, I had to mention it. I, 
it would have set me off in such a positive way. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people would have loved it, even if they didn't consciously catch it in the moment or think about it as much as I do. You go back and watch all the other movies, all these huge memorable moments are in large part because the score fits so well. When they're fighting Ultron and they're all back to back with each other and Thor's swinging the hammer and Hulk's throwing these robots everywhere, the theme is playing. It, it needs to be. It builds the scenes to what they are. And uh, yeah, I just wish we had that. Since I mentioned Game of Thrones and I did last week's podcast on Nomadland, check it out, good episode, great movie. That was directed by Chloe Zhao, who will also direct Eternals for Marvel later this year. And I have to mention Ramin Jawadi, who not only did the epic, epic scoring for Game of Thrones throughout the whole series, but he actually worked on the original Iron Man. And now he's returning to Marvel for Eternals. Now that is exactly what I'm talking about. That is going to have what I'm looking for. And after we do that episode, you'll probably see what I mean by it being missing here. It's not a huge knock on the show or anything, but it's something I wish we got. During the Red Wedding, if there's no sound, if there's just like a boop and a stab, like it's not, you need the reins of Castamere. You need it. And without him and without these great composers, I'm sure I'm leaving some out throughout the Marvel run. And I apologize for that. And I hope I learn their names. But yeah, it just felt missing. You know, take it or leave it, but I wish it were there. Um, moving forward in the MC, we touched on Eternals. Next, we also touched on Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is not that far away. Going to be released soon also on Disney+. Plus. Um, I know that Black Widow movie is coming out. That's been delayed a bunch, but now it feels like it's right here and probably going to be released on streaming. I'm just excited, man. There's so much. It feels like throughout the first 20 or so movies, they probably had it all planned out, but some part of them was probably like, well, I don't know if we'll ever get here. Yeah, we have Doctor Strange 2 written in 2003, but if they don't succeed, this is just notes on a piece of paper. Now, all that is gone. They could run 20 more years of non-successful stuff and are still going to be making all the things they have planned out. This is locked in. They have big actors. They have directors. They have all these power players writing not only storyboards so they all fit together, but great scripts for the individual products. This isn't going anywhere. And with Disney Plus now being the Marvel hub, and I feel this way about Star Wars too, and I can't wait till we're able to do a Star Wars episode because I have so much more to... Talk about when it comes to that and Disney, but man, they're killing it. And uh, Disney Plus has really changed, I think, what we can expect from Marvel moving forward. And it really happened at the perfect time. No one wants a pandemic, but now that theaters are a little topsy-turvy, hopefully we'll come back. But even if they don't, they have this path that they started down and can continue down and do different things. You know, we get this show... <clears throat> Who would have ever thought we get this kind of show where it's spoofing different sitcoms, but it's also this dealing with grief and it's this amazing battle scene and witches and everything. And then the next show, we're going to get Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is so grounded in just action and 
it's going to be just kind of surface level stuff, probably. I don't know. We haven't seen it, but you're going to be able to just do the popcorn flick kind of thing. You turn it on. They're going to fight some stuff. George St. Pierre will do some weird jujitsu and it'll be fun. Not that this isn't fun, but it'll just be pure spectacle, which I like. And then you're going to get some spy thriller stuff with Black Widow. And then you're going to get Loki. Who knows what that's going to be? That's going to be interdimensionary travel kind of thing. And then there's the What If series, which I think is going to be animated, which is going to show us, you know, different ways things could have played out over the years and uh, alternate storylines. I'm not going to list them all. There's so many things coming. And the fact that they set the bar for Disney Plus so high with this, they're not going to miss that bar again. They know that this they're setting the stage. This is the quality they're going to put out, even in the TV shows. And it's a huge rise. I mean, I loved the Netflix shows when there was Daredevil and Iron Fist and uh, all the Defenders. Jessica Jones was awesome. Luke Cage I liked. But that wasn't this level, nor was it really connected. And I hope they bring those characters back. There's rumors, who knows? But more importantly, now we know we're getting movie quality from the shows. And you can't, I mean, it's who thought we would have been here? Uh, We're watching huge budget summer blockbusters in a weekly format laying in bed on Fridays. It's so cool. I'm just happy we're able to see it. And uh, I'm happy they're thriving. It's very, very good for everyone. All right, that's a wrap. I could have talked for hours about this, honestly, and I probably will in the future. I know we'll have more Marvel episodes. If you want the episodes to be longer or shorter or have any thoughts on what we're doing here, uh, let me know. Email the link podcast at gmail.com. That is the email address. Uh, Follow us on social, Instagram and Twitter at the link underscore podcast. Leave some comments, follow us, and uh, I'd just love to hear what people think about it or think about the show in general, the podcast aside, any of the topics really, or the things we're going to be looking at moving forward. We have a fun one for next week, our first guest episode. We have a new setup that we're going to try out. Um, I'll tease that later in the week on social media, so if you're interested in what that's going to be about, stay tuned. And then uh, we have a couple in the pipeline moving forward that I'm excited about. So stick with us, follow along. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. And you know I'm still doing secret outros to see who's paying attention till the end. You know I am. I wonder if anyone will, and I appreciate you if you are. And if you are, the secret word to share for this week is Mary-Kate Nashley. So post it on our socials or text me, or post it anywhere, and let me know that you're one of the few that listen till the bitter end. I appreciate you. Peace out. 